Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hi, this is Dr. Andy Barlow with the Chiropractic Physician Center of Tupelo and author of the number one bestseller, The Code Breaker. Are you sick and tired of the medical merry-go-round? Are you looking for a potential solution to your health problem? Be sure and listen to our podcast, The Code Breaker. Welcome in on a Monday. It's the Rubble Report. I'm Michael Borky. Thank you for making this podcast a part of your day after a historic weekend in the state of Mississippi. A pretty dominating vote in both chambers led to the taking down, or soon to be taking down, of the Mississippi state flag. Uh, Tate Reeves will sign that bill into law at some point this week. Uh, I don't know when that will be. He said he's going to take a few days. I don't know why. It doesn't matter. The bill is going to get signed uh, after, again, I mean, a dominating performance, if you will. Uh, significant voting margins in both chambers uh, to take that flag down. So a big sigh of relief, uh, especially for people in athletics and otherwise, of course, uh, around the state to see that flag go down. And uh, really after today, we can turn our focus back to sports and maybe also the coronavirus, but hopefully that won't impede our ability to just talk about sports for the next few months. I would really, really like to do that. So glad you're with me. Uh, thank you for for listening last week, especially if you listened here on the podcast or the Sunday show or on the radio show every day. Uh, this has been a weird time. Uh, being sports commentators and uh, the intersectionality of politics and sports because the, the NCAA and the SEC kind of injected themselves into this flag debate, and so we had to cover it. And we had to cover it strongly because without this vote that happened over the weekend, sports in this state were going to be damaged, heavily, heavily damaged. And so we had to cover it. And I know it's it was a topic that, that is frustrating for some people. I know we did have some opposition. My email tells me we had some passionate uh, opposition to, to the way we were covering it and, and our opinions on it. Uh, but I do thank you for, for listening and, and engaging and, uh, and really being a part. And so history was made in, in Mississippi. So I am going to talk about that a little bit. Basically, just now what when it comes to Ole Miss sports. Like, I'm not going to talk about business or, or anything like that anymore. I'm going to bring it back down to the, the reason this podcast exists, uh, Ole Miss sports. So what does the flag coming down mean for Ole Miss and its athletic teams? And then quarterbacks. It's the title of the podcast today. It is the question I get the most. Who's going to start at quarterback? So I'm going to give you some expanded thoughts uh, in answer to that question that I can't fit in a text message. Uh, which I've been trying to do lately, and I just simply can't do it. But before we get into all that, I do want to remind you the podcast is brought to you every day by LBs just off of University Avenue across from Kroger. It's 4th of July week. I've got Friday off. I'm pretty excited about it. I'm still going to give you a podcast on Friday, but I do have Friday off. 4th of July weekend coming up, and there's nothing better to do on 4th of July than get behind the grill, have a couple beers, shoot off some fireworks, enjoy your Independence Day, but start it at LB's. Again, just off of University Avenue, across from Kroger. Tell Greg we sent you, and uh, yeah, go check out LB's. Get your meat ready for your 4th of July weekend. So the state flag got changed. Now what? And I'll start with this, because again, like I said, I'm just going to focus on Ole Miss sports and Ole Miss academically, because that's what this podcast is about. Real quick, and then I'll move on. This is one less reason that other schools can negatively recruit against you. Believe it or not, even though 
The flag has not been on campus at Ole Miss for for years. I mean, what is it? Five years at least. Um, Other schools have used that against Ole Miss to negatively recruit against them. I know for a fact uh, that there has been multiple recruits that either stopped considering Ole Miss, uh, would not consider Ole Miss, or parents wouldn't, wouldn't let them consider or go to Ole Miss because of the presence of the Confederate flag. Even though it's not flying on your campus or or flying in town, really, uh, the presence of that flag in the state was enough for some people to not go to your school. And it was something that Ole Miss coaches had to overcome in recruiting. And they were able to do it a lot. I mean, there was a march in Oxford this weekend and uh, Momo Sinogo, one of the guys, he and Ryder Anderson Anderson especially, are are being very um, vocal lately in a very good, uh, positive way. Um, even if you disagree with their message, you have to appreciate the way they're going about it. It's very mature. It's very adult. It's uh, very smart. Um, I could not have displayed that level of maturity when I was a college kid. That's for sure. But those of you that know me know I was kind of a shithead. Um, they're doing. They're handling it the exact right way. It's it's been really nice to see college kids conduct themselves the way they have. Uh, but Sonogo was quoted over the weekend saying he just wants everybody to see Oxford. The way he does, and I'm paraphrasing, but he chose to go to Ole Miss. Ryder Anderson chose to go to Ole Miss, neither of which are from the state of Mississippi. So it's not like you can't or they couldn't overcome other schools talking about, well, they fly the Confederate flag there. And I have heard stories in recruiting where a player's been told that they have KKK rallies on a regular basis on their campus. I mean, and that's something that you can disprove, but imagine a young recruit being told that from other schools in the SEC. And that is one less uh, arrow in the quiver, if you will, that they have against Ole Miss. Because now, we don't fly that state flag anymore. Hell, our, our campus shut it down years ago. But look at look at our legislature. They took it down by by a dominating vote. And every coach on this campus, as well as the other ones, but you don't have to talk about them, uh, <laughs> every coach on this campus went to Jackson to speak on behalf of change. Our chancellor, athletic director, and every coach went down to lobby in favor for that change. So not only did the legislature get rid of it by a dominating margin, everybody on this campus wanted it to go too. That's one less thing that other schools can use against you, and they've done it before. They've absolutely done it before. And they're going to keep trying. They'll find more creative ways, I'm sure, because that's how recruiting works. But the fewer, I'm going to keep using this analogy, the fewer arrows they have, the fewer amount of things they can they can shoot you with. So it's one less reason for people to um, negatively recruit against you. And I wouldn't be surprised if if another step is taken to where on game day uh, any flag containing Confederate imagery is banned from campus. I understand the First Amendment is important. I am very pro-First Amendment. There is ways that they can get around it to make sure those Confederate 901 people, that those flag groups that walk around the, the grove and, and the circle on game day waving Confederate flags for some reason... Um, you can find ways uh, to not allow that to happen. 
I mean, there was one year where uh, I had a group of buddies uh, from out of town when I was in school, and they brought a tent with them that had um, like a, a company name on it. It was like their dad's business or something. And we had to take the tent down because it wasn't like an authorized advertiser of Ole Miss Athletics or something. We had somebody from the school come up and say, hey, guys, you can't display advertising like that in the Grove. So we had to take the tent down. If you can do that, you can also stop people from waving Confederate flags on your campus. So I don't know how you go about that, but I, I have a feeling that's that's the next step here because you do take recruits through the Grove. And if you want to say, we're not about that anymore, flag doesn't wave here, and then they come to visit on game day and they see a bunch of dudes walking around waving Confederate flags, it uh, kind of defeats the purpose there. And of course, you can host regionals again. I mean, that's an exciting thing, right? It was uh, it was a short-lived ban, but the, the fact that it was possible that regionals were going to be taken away from Ole Miss and, and Mississippi State and Southern Miss, for example, uh, that, that's just a travesty. And even though I didn't like the NCAA's process and taking that away and punishing the students and the, the coaches and the schools, uh, we don't have to worry about it. Uh, that process is over. Uh, you can host regionals again. So that uh, recruiting disadvantage that Mike Bianco would have been up against has already been removed. And then academic, all these things apply academically as well. It's one fewer reason for a, a bright student out of state uh, to not go to Ole Miss when they have other options as well. You know, it's just one fewer thing. And finally, a lot of people would think that this is a far-fetched idea. But when the state of South Carolina took down the Confederate flag from their state house, uh, they were immediately given the SEC Women's Basketball Tournament. They've got a bowl game uh, coming to Myrtle Beach this year. Uh, they've hosted NCAA tournament games. If I were Oxford and I, if I were Ole Miss, I would find a way to put in a bid to host an NCAA tournament game. They've, they've had them on campuses before. You've got a big, beautiful new arena. And what a show of solidarity from the NCAA that, hey, you, you threatened to take postseason events away and we made a change to make that kind of a statement to have an NCAA tournament game in Oxford. I would put a bid on it. Um, if I were Ole Miss, if I were Keith Carter, if I were Glenn Boyce, if I were Robin Tannehill, I would do whatever you have to do in order to get NCAA tournament games to your area. I don't know how that process works. I probably could have Googled it before I started, but uh, that's what I would do. That would be next step for me. Next step would be finding a way to put in a bid to host NCAA tournament games in your beautiful, brand new arena in your really cool town with amenities and hotels and stuff available, ready to go, host March Madness in Oxford. The flag was taken down. And that's what you claimed was stopping us from having it. Flags no more. Give us an NCAA tournament weekend. We got the facility. We got the town. You can fly into Memphis. Hop, skip, and a jump on a bus down to Oxford. There have been far worse places and far worse venues that have hosted NCAA tournament games than the one in Oxford. I promise you that. So that's what I would do. I haven't heard anybody talking about that. This is just me thinking out loud, but that's what I would do. I would put in a bid for an NCAA tournament game if I were uh, the mayor and, and everybody involved at Ole Miss. I think you have the infrastructure and the facility to do it, and I think you should do it. 
So big weekend for the state of Mississippi, big weekend for Ole Miss. And um, I know a lot of people worked really hard on that. And a lot of people that have lived in this state a lot longer than me uh, were really happy uh, to see that news yesterday. And I'm happy for them. And uh, we can move forward now. I'm not going to talk about flags anymore. I mean, if the commission coming up here, I think it's in September or October when they'll submit all the designs they gathered. If they have some really bad designs, I will uh, uh, talk about them then. Because the thing about flags and the best state flags, they don't have seals on them. Seal flags are awful. Uh, They're hard to distinguish. They are unrecognizable and they just look bad. The beauty of a great flag is its simplicity. It's very few colors. I mean, no more than three colors. It's simple, recognizable symbolism that goes on a state flag uh, without much detail, without a seal, with very little writing, and I hope they find a way to get that done because seal flags just stink. And if that's what we end up with, it's a lot better than the, the one that was currently the flag, but you could do much better than a few stripes with the state seal slapped onto it. You could do much better than that. So anyway, let's actually talk about football now. The most common question I get, in fact, I get it a handful of times a week, is who's going to play quarterback at Ole Miss? (laughs) I mean, uh, that's all anybody wants to know. That's all anybody wants to talk about. We'll get somebody text into the radio show a handful of times a week asking who's going to start at quarterback. Every conversation I have with somebody affiliated with Ole Miss is who is going to Start at quarterback, uh, all my buddies, uh, I, again, I've got a dozen text messages over the last few weeks asking about who's going to play quarterback. And I could do a really short podcast if you want, and the simple answer is I don't know and neither does Lane. Thank you for tuning in, guys. We'll talk to you again on Wednesday. But um, I'll expand it a little bit. Because recently I I did a radio hit out of state, but in SEC country, and they didn't even mention Matt Corral. In fact, they didn't even know who he was. And it further goes to show you that the only Ole Miss football most people watched last year was the LSU game. I mean, that's really clearly all the hosts really knew was that this Plumley kid ran for a bunch of yards on the team that became the national champion. Uh, therefore, he's the starter, no questions asked. The kid is amazing, and uh, Ole Miss is going to be great. Like, that's all they knew. Um, didn't even know who Matt Corral was. And they're not the only ones. I mean, there are most people nationally outside of this state uh, watched Ole Miss one time last year. They, they watched him play LSU because of LSU. And it was on ESPN. Maybe a few others watched the Egg Bowl, but that was Thanksgiving, you know? And a lot of people... And there was also an NFL game. So a lot of football people choose to watch the NFL game over the college game. That's just how it works. But also, it was Thanksgiving, and I imagine uh, that people uh, choose to... um, If they have football on, they're not watching as closely. Didn't really, like, analyze the... Ole Miss offense and the differences between the two quarterbacks. So most everybody around uh, this region of the country and nationally only know John Rice Plumley because of one game. Completely writing off Matt Corral, I think, is a bad idea. Don't forget, he was a redshirt freshman last year. His first 
uh, action as a starter, number one. So I hear people all the time, because it's like Ole Miss fans have kind of drawn a line in the sand. Some of them anyway. And either Plumlee's their guy or Corral's their guy and not willing to hear any others. They they think the other one's a bum and shouldn't play, and then their guy is the best in the world. And you'll hear the argument from the Plumlee people that say, well, he was just a freshman, so he's going to get better. Well, if that's the case, and I, I do believe that to be true, you have to apply that same principle to Matt Corral because that was his first action as a starter last year as well. So he was a freshman. It was his first action as a starter. He is talented, and he flashed that at times a year ago. Uh, rushed a lot of throws at times. Uh, that was his biggest flaw, at least what I saw, was he would he would rush things. He'd see an open receiver, and instead of you know settling down and mechanically getting the ball to him, it, he would like get excited and, and rush his throw and, and miss open guys sometimes. Uh, but he showed you flashes of really good arm talent and accuracy and athleticism. He sure as hell isn't the runner that Plumlee is, but he, he's not a bad runner in his own right. He's a good athlete. He's got a good arm. Uh, there's potential there to be a really good quarterback. So he wasn't a world beater. He wasn't Chad Kelly in year one, but I mean, Chad Kelly had a year at Clemson and, and Juco before he actually became a starter at Ole Miss. I mean, this is Matt Corral's freshman year, so writing him off, uh, yeah, I think, is a really bad idea because he's going to get a fair shot. That's the, really, that's the most important thing going into we can call it training camp. People call it fall camp, and it doesn't happen in the fall. He's going to get a fair shot. This is going to be an open quarterback competition. I really, truly believe that when Lane Kiffin and company say that that's what it's going to be. It is going to be an open competition, and he's going to have a real fair shot. But that also means so is the other guy, right? I mean, if you look at Plumlee, in fact, I think uh, and Lane Kiffin said it, uh, that baseball getting canceled or whatever actually leveled the playing field for him some. Uh, because if baseball does not get canceled, they do go through spring practice, where Matt Corral is the only one there most of the time. And Matt Corral is the one working with Kiffin every day and running the offense and leading the team. And Plumlee would have been absent there, and that would have given Corral a leg up. Well, now that there's there was no baseball, it would have ended last week, uh, now that there's no baseball, the playing field's been even because neither one of them now got that extra practices, the extra dozen or so practices. And neither one of them got to work with Kiffin exclusively and lead the team. So it's it's more even now than it would have been otherwise. I think coming out of spring, you probably would have seen uh, Corral having a bit of a leg up or, or being the front runner in this kind of competition for whatever that's worth to you. But um, a lot of Ole Miss fans last year, uh, did not like um, things that I said about that offense uh, being led by by John Rice Plumley. I've got Twitter mentions uh, to to prove it. But uh, what I was saying a year ago, and, and for some reason there are people that did not like it, and now in hindsight they've probably changed their mind some, is running the offense the way that they did with John Rice Plumley at quarterback was never going to work. I said it every week. I mean, I said it from the Missouri game on that there's no possible way you can run an offense like this 
and win meaningful games in the SEC. It's not possible. And every week they prove me right. Texas A&M. I mean, he was 4 of 12 passing against Texas A&M. Only had 38 yards on the ground. When you're not a threat in the passing game, the way they ran that offense, he was not. Um, Defense can really play downhill and limit your ability offensively. And that's a game they still should have won, by the way. Same thing at Auburn. He was 11 of 21 throwing the football with an interception. They were awful in Starkville. Awful in Starkville. But everybody points to that LSU game for some reason as, oh, that's why. That's why this offense is going to work. Because one time when they played against an SEC opponent after they were down by multiple scores in the first half, a week after LSU played Alabama, he ran all over the place. He's an exceptional athlete. Do not get me wrong. An exceptional athlete. But he was still just 9 of 16 throwing the football with an interception. As good as he was that night, you saw the next week against Mississippi State and two weeks prior against Auburn and three weeks prior against Texas A&M that the way they were running that offense and his time at quarterback was never going to work in the SEC. There's a reason Keith Carter fired Matt Luke and brought in Lane Kiffin because he saw it too. That was not going to work in the SEC. There was no chance it was going to work. But I need to revise my take on it some. Because it's not Plumlee's fault that it wasn't going to work. I was, and I'm sure you were as well, blown away, completely blown away at the sheer lack of creativity in Rich Rodriguez's offense. That backstretch of the the season that I mentioned from October 12th on, the lack of creativity in play calling, they were so incredibly limited and predictable. I mean, you guys remember this. I made jokes on Twitter, but it was run left, run right, roll out right, throw an incomplete pass, punt the football. A guy that has been an offensive innovator at so many different places where at Arizona he had a 4,000-yard passer, and at, at Michigan and at West Virginia he had these quarterbacks that did both things in, in offenses that were so creative. And even though as a head coach, it rarely worked outside of West Virginia as far as like winning and losing games as a team, the offense was still very good and innovative. And what you saw last year uh, was, as has been said on this podcast before, uh, Completely predictable, lacking in creativity, and neither quarterback, Plumlee or Corral, were set up for success in that offense. That offense was not going to work last year and moving forward, not because of John Rice Plumlee. And I think I got lost in the sauce, if you will, specifically talking about one quarterback versus the other, in part because I didn't realize that Keith Carter was in a position to make a change. You know, we didn't know who the athletic director was going to be. Ended up being Carter. And you thought that was another nepotism hire. And it turned out to be the best decision that's been made there in a while. Because he did what had to be done. I spoke on it as if the staff was going to stay in place. We don't know what John Rice Plumlee's capable of. The offense was poorly managed, was not creative, was never going to work in the SEC. The way they managed playing two quarterbacks in a game didn't make any sense. It seemed like it was just kind of done on the fly without any real strategy. It it didn't make any sense at all. 
The position was mismanaged. The offense was mismanaged. We simply don't know what either of these quarterbacks are capable of, but especially John Rice Plumley, because when he was in the game, they limited especially the passing game so much. There were a couple throws he made at Mississippi State where you thought, wait, why the hell don't they do this more often? We don't know what he's capable of. Until there is a coach in place and a system in place that maximizes his abilities and Matt Corral's abilities in a way that makes sense, I have to revise my take on it. When when people ask who's going to start, I don't know, but honestly, it could be either one. And it's not because they're going to go through the charade like Joe Moorhead did at Mississippi State about uh, Tommy Stevens. You don't bring in a graduate transfer to, to sit the bench. K.J. Costello is going to start at Mississippi State this year. You don't sign a guy like that to sit the bench. You don't sign Tommy Stevens to sit the bench. You don't sign Jamie Newman at Georgia to sit the bench. You know what I mean? Graduate, You get a graduate transfer quarterback to come in and start right away. And that was the case there. This isn't going to be one of those situations. This is going to be, like I've said, a, a true quarterback competition because I have a feeling that, that Kiffin and Lebby and the offensive staff is going to sit down and watch film and, and truly not know what they have in either two guys until, until they start running their own system. I am curious, though, for whatever it's worth, about how they've recruited quarterbacks because they seem to fit a mold that is not... Plumlee's skill set, but then again, Lane Kiffin's also uh, run an com- incredibly successful offense with Blake Sims, so maybe uh, he'll alter it based on what he has. I do think the way they've recruited is an indicator of what they do expect from that position, and when you look at it, Plumley is behind throwing the football compared to Corral. Accuracy's not there. Uh, pocket presence and awareness even though Corrales isn't great, Pumley's isn't very good. There's a lot of polishing that needs to be done. But like I said, it's a long-winded way to answer a very simple question. And it's a simple answer. We don't know who's going to be the starting quarterback at Ole Miss this year. However, I do think that, like I've said a dozen times here, it's going to be an open competition, but most especially because the way these two guys were used a year ago was downright irresponsible. And using stats from last year, and I've done it before, and so I've got to put my hand up and admit when I've been wrong here, I've done it before. Using stats from last year and game performances from last year to to make an argument for one or the other right now is um, a bad argument. And it's one I used to make, but it's a bad argument. Just simply because of Everything I just laid out. So I hope that helped. It probably didn't. (laughs) Um, uh, But that is just uh, something that I've been asked a a lot about lately. And that was, uh, you know, 20-minute way to say, I don't know, and I don't think they know either. And that's okay, though. It's a good thing. Uh, Because I think both of these guys are talented. I mean, really talented. And and give you a, a chance to win football games if they're used the correct way. And now I expect that correct way to finally manifest. So we will see.
Also, something going on right now. Kermit Davis is doing kind of uh, the ESPN car wash, if you will. He was on with Golik and Wingo, and uh, and God bless him, he's about to be on first take, uh, talking about the removal of the state flag from Mississippi. But he was asked this morning about Blake Henson. Because I don't know if you followed over the weekend. For some reason, USA Today and Sports Illustrated, to a lesser degree, have gotten a lot of run out of uh, Blake Henson leaving Ole Miss because of state flag story. I mean, my God, USA Today tweeted it half a dozen times over the weekend uh, while the state flag was getting removed. I thought that was such a, a, a typical juxtaposition when talking about USA Today. But um, Kermit Davis was asked about that, and, and Kermit straight up said, and kudos to him because this is the truth, we talked about his transfer for a month, and he never once mentioned the state flag. So Kermit said on Golik and Wingo, that's not why he transferred. He said that. That's not why he transferred. That's not why he told me he was transferring. And like I said the other day, and, and all of you knew this, I'm sure, that's not why he was transferring. But that's what he had to use. It's what he was forced to use in order to gain immediate eligibility. That's the precedent that the uh, the NCAA has set. And so I don't blame Blake Henson for, for using what's afforded to him to, to get playing time, but good on Kermit Davis for just out front saying, we never talked about it. He didn't mention it to me. If that's why he transferred, he didn't tell me that. That's not why. And also the flag came down this weekend. I still think he'll get his waiver from the NCAA. Even with the flag coming down this weekend, he announced his transfer before that happened, so uh, that makes it easy. But I do have to give Kermit credit. Not a lot of coaches would do that. Or maybe they would. I just, I don't think they would. And he deserves credit for out front saying, no, he transferred for basketball reasons. We talked about it a lot. That's why. Wasn't about the flag. We all knew that, but hmm. he's on first take uh, apparently right now uh, as I record this. So um, again, God bless him uh, for being uh, for being kind enough to to talk about the state flag on that show of all shows. Uh, good luck to him because that that will not be. Um, and maybe I'm not giving first take enough credit because this is a good day. I mean, all it's done. And all it's been is positive news for Mississippi. Every channel you turn, every website, CNN, Fox, NBC. My wife watches the the Today Show. They were mentioned in the opening uh, segment of the Today Show this morning. Mississippi changes the state flag. Big vote. All that stuff. So maybe first take won't be so bad. Usually it is. I don't put it on. I usually have something in the background when I'm working sports programming of some kind. It is never, ever first take. I've tried. I just I can't do it. I understand in this business you have to have strong opinions. And at times on the radio, I think I have them and do a good job with them. And sometimes people love it. Sometimes people hate it. And that's fine. That's good. Um, but they'll never be manufactured. In a show like that, in, in media people that think that you just have to have a controversial opinion about everything so they manufacture BS that they don't really believe in uh, just for the sake of debate and argument, it's, it's garbage programming. And I, I don't know how 
ESPN and Fox see value in programming like that? Because it doesn't rate all that well, especially for the gaudy salaries these dudes are making. But it's trash, isn't it? Again, I understand strong opinions. I have them on the radio. At least I think I do. But it's not something that, that is manufactured. It's real. But you can watch 30 minutes of Undisputed and know that the things they're yelling at each other about, they don't really believe deep down. And it's just, you see right through it. I don't know how there's value in shows like that. I don't get it. But there are people that uh, get jobs in radio that, that do the same thing. That will, ha- will say something so stupid and they'll get ratioed on Twitter... And then they'll go on the show and say, yeah, see, I got all that reaction. Like, and they'll like thump their chest about people dunking on them. Like, that may work in the short term, get people talking about you for, for a little while. Uh, but, I mean, tell me I'm wrong here. That's not how you establish credi- credibility with an audience and how you establish long-time dedicated listeners who care about your content when you're just bullshitting them all day. I, I don't know. I don't get it. Apologies for the rant there. I appreciate you guys listening. I really do. Glad I I could at least, even though the answer was a a long I don't know, at least talk about something other than flag for a little while. And uh, Wednesday, we are really going to just get back into sports, and I'm looking forward uh, to doing that. So uh, thankful for you guys. Glad that you were uh, with me this morning, uh, or this afternoon, whenever you're listening, uh, as you always are. Uh, I really appreciate you guys hanging on in spite of uh, the weird content time. Uh, talking about flags and whatnot. Um, and, and so now we can move forward, go back to sports, get ready for an upcoming football season, uh, the most interesting one at Ole Miss in quite some time. It's been years now. I mean, even Hugh Freeze's last year at Ole Miss um, was not at all interesting to me. I mean, it, the team just wasn't good. They blew leads early. Chad Kelly get, got hurt. I mean, I guess, you know, you got to see Shea Patterson, but. I'm far more looking forward to the storylines coming from this season than I was that year and any of the three Matt Luke years for sure. So it's probably been a while since you've really been interested in Ole Miss football as well. I mean, at least a few years. So I'm excited to uh, really get started previewing this season, looking at the opponents and all that good stuff. So thank you for making the show a part of your day. It means a lot to me that you guys listen, uh, Doing these by myself is tough, but I I appreciate uh, all of you listening and and still listening and hanging on and uh, giving me a chance. It's only going to get better from here. I can promise you that. Uh, I was a little rusty. haven't done a solo podcast since before my son was born. So uh, a little rusty. We'll keep working, keep getting better. So just keep listening, and I promise I'll keep bringing you content uh, three days a week on this channel before football season, and then it will become a little bit more frequent than that. So anyway... Have a great week. Stop by LB's, go see Greg, and I'll talk to you again on Wednesday. A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.